I'm Prime Minister Boris Johnson and you're listening to Brits in the Big Apple with Hannah Young, Consul General. You're listening to Brits in the Big Apple. I'm Hannah Young. Today, my guest is Aaron Edwards, the CEO of the award-winning digital agency, The Charles, which he co-founded with his sister, Samantha Edwards. The New York City-based firm, which has offices in Chicago and London, are the brains behind some of the most notable brands in the business, like Cartier, Amiga, Mini, The Wall Street Journal, and Bloomberg Media. They also won the Digital Design Award for Cocainonomics via the Wall Street Journal for Netflix's show, Narcos. In an interview asking about his inspiration, Aaron once said, as a kid, I was always trying to figure out how to beat the AI in video games. I grew up playing Donkey Kong on my Atari and I'm still an avid gamer. I've always challenged myself to beat gaming algorithms. And I guess that's why I love digital so much because there's no set formula for success. It's trial and error, it's iterative, and it's unforgiving. Aaron's deep understanding of the relationship between creativity and commerce, coupled with an astute business strategy, has helped solidify the Charles as one of the go-to boutique creative digital agencies in New York. Aaron, it's great to have you on Brits and the Big Apple. Welcome. Oh, that was quite the entrance. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Lovely to be here. Um, tell us, how did you come to New York City um, and, and what is your journey so far? Oh my God. Well, do you want the long story or the short version? Because there's, oh. there's two and they're, <laughs> they're both very interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll try and give you the cliff notes. Um, so I was working in finance in London as an analyst uh, at an investment bank. And I kind of you know, reached the point after five years of doing it and realizing that I wasn't going to make the mega money I thought I was going to make. I wanted to kind of, you know, move to New York whilst I was at the bank. Uh, my sister was in New York. I'd always been to New York and it was like the place to be. And so, um, you know, I, I would try to get a transfer with my company that didn't work out. I basically gave myself a year to find the position. And I, said if I don't get a transfer, I said to my boss, if I don't get a transfer within a year, then I'm out. And they didn't believe me. And on my birthday in 2010, I basically quit my job and uh, didn't, you know, I had a plan of starting an agency. At first, I thought it was going to be a talent management company. Um, so I spoke to a few people in that business. They told me it was a terrible idea. Don't do it. <laughs> And so um, I ended up um, meeting with lots of different people, but most importantly, my sister who was working in graphic design and creative at the time, she had uh, like a, a, a freelance business. And so I was looking at her books and thinking, hmm, I think there could be a business in this. Um, and that's basically what spurred um, my move to New York City. I spent eight months, I spent six months on gardening leave then a final two months prepping and during that time I, I wrote the business plan I uh, got my money together wow. left London for New York City in 2001. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to ask you about the Charles in a sec but um, just picking up on the point about your sister I'm an only child but I see my husband have a loving competitive uh, tension with his sister sometimes <laughs> what, what is it like uh, starting a business with your sister? Oh, the trials and tribulations, <laughs> if, if, if laptop keyboards could tell. 
So Sam and I have this really funny thing. Back in the day when we were in the office together, we'd, if we'd have a disagreement, it would tend to be over Slack or some kind of instant messenger. And people would know we were fighting because the keyboards would just be rat-a-tat-tattling. Uh, but, you know, I think what's really interesting about Sam is we're two very different people. We come from very, very different professional backgrounds. Mine is very analytical, linear, very straight, and hers is everything, right? It's creative. So um, we, we disagree. And I think in the initial beginning, we disagreed a lot. And a lot of that might have had to do with my lack of experience of the business, but also... I think adapting the way in which I think she had was thinking or had been thinking for such a long period of time. You know, I was always interested in the data. I was always asking the why. I was always questioning the business strategy. And that, you know, used to drive her insane, but it, it would make our work much stronger and it would allow us to to really prove out the, the, the thesis of why we think something should work or not. So I think Sam and I have a very yin and yang kind of relationship. And as time has gone on, we've become more respectful of each other's capabilities. And so it's really nice because we come together in unison um, and we know that it's for the benefit of the growth of the company and the growth of ourselves professionally and personally. Mm. So disagreements are always a good thing for us, but they never blow up the way they used to. It sounds like you complement each other very well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and tell us a bit more about the Charles and, and where the concept came from. Yeah, so the name of Charles is named after our great-grandfather, Charles Alfred Seeley, who was a boat right in the West Indies. And um, we named the company after him because we were really, you know, wanting to create a family-owned business. And when you create a family-owned business, what do you have? A family name. And Charles is a name that's been in the family since forever. Basically, all the men on the mother's side of the, the family carry the name Charles. So my middle name is Charles. My uncle's middle name is Charles. Um, and my kids even have middle names of Charles. So, well, my son does and my nephews. Um, and so, yeah, family-based business, um, family-based name. And, and so that's really where the name came from. And, and as we started to, to really think about what we wanted to do and what we wanted to achieve, you know, we came up with this idea of this philosophy of to, to honor and to inspire, um, to honor the legacy of our great grandfather and to inspire um, our clients with the work that we do and, and our attitude and our integrity. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's been the foundation for our success, to be really honest. People ask us like, why is this name? You sound like a hotel or it sounds like a restaurant. Or, it sounds like a brand, you yeah. know, but that's really what we wanted to create. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost got an air of mystery to it, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, but tell, us, um, tell us a bit more about what you offer to your clients and maybe if you could give a couple of examples of projects that you've been particularly proud of. Oh, that question always gets me. Um, I, think, I think so. So what we do is we, we started off as a website design and logo design agency doing stuff in the fashion and music space quickly outgrew that and caught the attention of the larger media publications. So Bloomberg was our first really big client. Uh, we undertook a rebrand for the media division um, for BloombergMedia.com and created a flagship website for them as well as kind of brand positioning strategy. Um, so, you know, that for us was the, the genesis of like starting how we work. And uh, through working with Bloomberg, it really allowed us to understand 
just all the different facets of a large organization, how to navigate, who to talk to, who to keep on side, how to you know, manage stakeholders and opinions and viewpoints. And so it really was school for us in, in the sense of understanding how to build a team around a big company and also work with that big company. Um, from there, we ended up working with the Wall Street Journal, um, working with their content division on building out interactive digital experiences. And then from that, it led us into like more brand side work. So working with brands like Cartier on digital production and creative production and concepting, um, to working with brands like Omega and Estee Lauder and IBM and Google and Facebook and so forth. So um, the, the way that we kind of see ourselves now is really a full 360 digital first agency that specializes in digital transformation projects um, and digital marketing and branding. Mm. And it, it feels like this is the thing of the moment. I mean, you know, some of those brands that you talk about, they're known for products, but actually everything around the product is as important now, if not more important than the product itself, particularly because, you know, yes. for some of those brands, they are luxury items and not everybody could afford them. But, you know, the, the, the air around them is as important. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about how the industry has changed over the years since you've mm. come in and, you know, what is, yeah. what is important now when you're thinking about how you're going to brand a particular product or a particular concept? Yeah, that's a great question um, and a hard one to answer, but I'll try my best. <laughs> I, think, um, I think when we first started working with, with uh, more established luxury brands, um, they didn't believe in social media. They didn't really understand digital. They were like, people are not going to buy a $10,000, $60,000 project on, on e-commerce. It does not work. Uh, that's my French impersonation. <laughs> And obviously, you know, um, they were completely wrong about that. And, and so, you know, I think what we spent a lot of time doing was educating brands on the, the use cases for why digital was important. And kind of, we were really at the genesis of that digital transformation as most of these larger brands were dabbling in different channels. And they were using us as kind of guiding forces for how they communicate, how they navigate, how they, you know, message, how they show themselves how they show up um, and so it was a really interesting time um, I think nowadays it's um, it's a lot more complex because there are a lot more unique challenges right when you're thinking about how a brand is is positioning itself there's you know corporate social responsibility which is a huge thing right now you know people understanding diversity equity uh, and inclusion and representation in corporations and, and what that means to them and how they navigate those conversations with their existing internal employees. Um, you know, there, there, there is a lot of complexity in the, in the landscape for a brand to navigate. And so it's important that I think they hire agencies and that they, they hire the best talent so that they can think through some of these things with a lens that might be, might be slightly different to their own internal lens. Mm. Um, and so that's what we've been kind of doing a lot of, I wouldn't say, building out all of the strategy work just yet. I mean, we have a few of those projects, but it, it's more about how do we connect the consumer to something more tangible than just the product or the idea of the product? How do we get them to understand what the brand stands for in a way that makes sense for the brand and that's authentic? Um, authenticity being a very key component 
to to what we think is a, a driver for success. Mm. Gosh, that's really interesting um, and interesting to think about the DEI angle, which is so prevalent at the moment. Um, and I uh, was reading that you started an internal publication called Charlie, um, which mm-hmm. gives your employees an opportunity to write about um, social issues. And I wonder if you can tell us a bit more about that and where that concept came from. Yeah, um, so it kind of was coming off the back of a lot of work we were doing in the brand-sponsored content arena with these larger publications. So doing a lot of work with the Wall Street Journal and QZ and all of these big publishers. And and so what we wanted to do is really have an outlet for flexing our creative uh, editorial prowess, right? And so um, the, the, the genesis of the idea was really to allow people to have a platform that, you know, gave them this open free speech component to, to the job. I think as creatives, it's very difficult sometimes to constantly do client work and not have your own expression because ultimately whatever we produce still has to be approved by somebody. We have bosses, right? We can't just be like, oh, we think you need to go to the moon and you know, fans like, what? no (laughs) why um so you know we we have to go through an approval process and and so really charlie is in a way of complete freedom of expression it's it's a it's a place of safety and it's a place that we encourage a lot of our employees to be in constantly even when working on client projects it's that um unadulterated unfiltered raw expression of opinion and thought that we feel is is what drives true creative and true creativity um and so charlie really is just an expression of that this is the medium in which we can kind of you know get that message out and distribute it to the people who care Mm, i think it's a brilliant thing to do and as you say giving your employees a, a a voice in their own right as well as through the brands that they work with um that feels you know really powerful um what what kind of an impact has it had on the organization Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it was it was more than just a publication. We did an event at a restaurant. We had orators, um, orate kind of uh, key pieces from the extract. We had um, obviously a lot of our clients there and friends and family. Um, and we really tried to make it a larger launch event and a way for people to kind of come and experience something totally different and totally unique. Um, and so we haven't, you know, obviously this was done a couple of years back. Unfortunately, client work has taken its toll on us. We haven't had a chance. Well, we we haven't made the time. It's not that we haven't had a chance. We haven't made the time to make this a priority. But there are a bunch of initiatives that we're currently working on, which we think are going to echo something in a similar vein. Yeah. So stay tuned on that. Oh, exciting. Um, I was going to pivot to the pandemic um and ask you a little bit about the impact that the pandemic has had on your business and um without wanting to second guess what you're going to say i i it's interesting that so much of our lives now is online and so much of what we do is through you know digital and social media and tech and um i wonder if the pandemic has had a um uh, a, a sort of unintended positive effect on your work and the importance of thinking about the digital message or yeah again 
it's been an interest it's been a really interesting time i mean i think there's been a lot of reflection um there's been a lot of time to think about what's important why it's important um and you know we we were had maybe two weeks of downtime right at the beginning of covid i mean we also closed our offices i think we were literally maybe the second or third company to just completely go remote um we were remote i think end of february um and one of the reasons was basically one of our clients told us you know that he was coming from china and you know he lives there and he was like this thing is is really bad and i'm going to close the office because i think this is going to become a worldwide pandemic and CEO when he says that don't take things like that very lightly so kind of made some assessments did our own research and we made the call to to close up and give everybody a chance to get home and be safe um and so that I think was interesting for us just understanding how to adapt to that remote work and we realized really fast we've been doing this for three or four years already because Samantha moved from New York to Chicago and hasn't even met 90% of the staff anyway (laughs) so so it was like oh we've been doing this so this is just actually quite normal for us Um, but as we've gone through you know the ups and downs and uh, you know it definitely has been a game of managing emotional distress um and i think as employers um one thing that we were very focused on was staying connected with everybody and having regular check-ins um and ensuring that mental health was being made as a priority Mm. and and so um we've had just great traction because i think a lot of employers may not have necessarily had that same viewpoint um and so you know we're very people-centric and very people first here so my company so um, I think that was great, you know, for that, for the, for the employees to see kind of how we operate as people, right. And how we think about people versus the business. Um, and so, yeah, I think everybody kind of had a great time. Nobody got fired. Everybody got full pay, you know, it was great. Um, and we've just been very, very busy throughout the entire period working on a lot of strategy a lot of digital transformation because now is obviously the time during down periods you get everybody saying oh yeah we need to think about the website and the social and the emails and our crm and da, 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 da. so yeah it's been a very busy busy time for us um and we're now kind of experiencing another growth wave as uh, things are coming back online as well so it's just getting even busier <laughs> Which is a good thing. It's not a bad problem. Yeah, exactly. Time, I guess. Yeah, um, and um, and what what is next for the Charles? Do you have any particular projects or um, uh, growth areas that you're looking to move into? Yeah, we have a lot of um, projects that I can't really talk about, <laughs> but they're they're really exciting. It's like some of the best work we've ever done. So it's really annoying that I can't talk about them, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of, of things happening. We, we laid out quite recently um, what we call the State of the Charles, which is a, a annual regroup of what's going on with the company and the business and understanding kind of our operating structure and how we're seeing things and our vision and our mission for what we want to achieve. And, and we felt like it was really well received. Nobody fell asleep. So that's always a good sign. And um you know, I think from that, we've really mapped out the next three to five years of how we anticipate growing as a company and how we 
want to structure the business in a way that's setting ourselves up for success. Um, and, and picking up on something you said earlier about authenticity and, you know, the, the kind of strong family values that come from um, where the business was formed. I mean, how, how important is that kind of authentic leadership to you? And, and what does that look like? What, how does that manifest itself? Yeah, I, I'm a huge believer in, and this is the, the, the challenge, the dichotomy that lays for us because as a business and as, as a business scaling, you have to think about structure and organizational hierarchy and really planning like the future of who reports to who and why and where and cross-functional teams. And, but my view has always been flat. Right. And that is, I believe an intern is just as valuable as an owner. I believe that the person cleaning the toilets is just as valuable as the person writing code. Right. Um, everybody has a job. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has to have respect for one another. And so I think that is possibly, you know, what I think is driven um, our success is the level of integrity that we have with the way that we think about our clients, the work and our people. Um, I think it's just those simple things like be nice to people, don't be a jerk and just respect, respect whoever, you know, is in front of you because they are human. They have the same issues. They go through the same things as you do just because you do something different doesn't make you any different to them. So I think having that perspective is just grounded the company in a way. And I think, people that that come into the company that are new they always say like wow everyone is so friendly here everyone's so nice and it's just such a welcoming environment and i think just that environment alone allows you to want to enjoy coming to work and doesn't make you want to leave <laughs> <laughs> this is ultimately the plan yeah no um i can i can completely see that um and uh I guess inclusion and diversity are presumably a big part of that as well. And I'm interested in your thoughts on the industry more broadly. And it feels like everybody's mm. having a, a watershed moment or is, mm. is in the process of having a watershed moment to really understand what yeah. it means to be truly inclusive. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about what you're doing at the Charles and how you work with your clients on that agenda as well? Yeah, we, um, we did, uh, well, I think what was in, what's interesting to me is we are very, we did this state of the Charles and in our state of the Charles, we have personality tests. And one thing that came to me immediately was first off, I hadn't seen the team in nearly a year and we were all in one space together, all vaccinated, obviously. And um, we are 94% female. Um, which yes. it was a real surprise to me when everybody was walking in for the first time. And I was like, looking around, I was like, wow, there are so many women in this company. There are literally three men and like 50 women. It's, it's, it's Ooh, insane. So and so, yeah. And, and what I find really interesting about them, they're all very independent, very strong, very um, unique individuals, right? Like every single one are totally unique. And, I love that. Like, I love that diversity of, of people, of, of culture, of ethnicity, of background, of race, of everything. I think it just, it's a melting pot. And I think that is ultimately 
what drives our success, right? It's that differentiated thinking when you have people coming from different places. Um, and so, yeah, for us, you know, we've done a lot of different initiatives and we've worked with a company called Intersections, which is a nonprofit organization focused on LGBTQIA rights. Um, and we built a, a website platform called Believe Out Loud, um, which is a way for um, people of the LGBTQIA community to come together to understand um, how to navigate all of the different dimensions when it comes to being gay in religion and how religious sects can help support people with mental health or not necessarily mental health issues. They could be going through any kind of issue and it's used as a resource for them to, to really find information that can help them navigate some really key issues in, in that section. So, and that's been an amazing project and something that we're really proud of and been working with for many years on. Um, and then, you know, most recently we've been hired by an undisclosed uh, company, sneaker company, to help figure out their DE&I um, strategy um, internally. Um, and then also understand how that's going to be communicated out externally. Um, so we're really excited about that, that project. Um, and, the, and the prospects that come with that too. So yeah, there's a lot of work that's been done, you know, in that arena. And I think to answer the question, you know, I think it's, I think the wokeness of companies is, has unfortunately come too late, um, but it's at least here. So I'm happy to see companies embracing it. I think embracing it from a place that aligns with the core values of the business mm. is more important than trying to appease the masses or show that you understand what is going on. Um, and I think the bravest brands are the brands that kind of say, I don't really understand this and I don't really know how to communicate and we don't know how to navigate this. And rather than jump on just posting something that we don't understand, why don't we bring people in to help educate us? And I think ultimately that's what needs to happen more. You know, people kind of need to listen and take a second and then understand how they can align this authentically with their company versus just trying to jump on the bandwagon by hiring and filling quotas and affirmative action and all of that fun stuff. Mm, yeah, that um, feels like true authenticity when you're coming from a place of wanting to learn, understanding you don't have all the answers. Um, um, you've given us so many nuggets of wisdom over the past um, 20 minutes, but I wonder if you could pick out maybe two or three um, particular pieces of advice that you've had over the years or that you have learnt that you would give to others who um, might aspire to follow in your footsteps. Mm. Oh God, mine are all so cliche. Um, cliche is really fine. Cliche. But, oh, believe in yourself. You can do it. Everyone <laughs> is great. Um, no, you know what? Actually, something that not many people hear, which I think is really important, is um, two things. Um, the first is your appetite and desire and ambition for success. I think I made many mistakes very early on in my career with, I feel, being too ambitious, not understanding where I was at, not getting the context, not reading between the lines, not understanding enough about who I am as a person and expecting everything. And so 
I think it's super important for people to be honest with themselves and to have the level of reflection and self-reflection to really and truly understand who you are and how you operate. And, and that comes through making mistakes and failing and all of that stuff, but it comes in slowing down and not expecting everything to happen overnight because it doesn't. It takes time. It's taken us 10 years to get to this point and it's going to take us another 10 years to get to the next point. So, you know, it's about enjoying that journey and enjoying the process and being present in that, in that time period, as opposed to looking too far ahead and getting upset with what you're not achieving based on how you're positioning yourself, thinking about yourself being in the future. Um, so that, that is one thing that I see a lot of, you know, hustle hard and you can do it and be ambitious and be successful. And it's like, be patient, just wait chill there's no rush you're here for ages take your time learn it understand it understand more about yourself um and then the second thing i'd say is taking a moment to to reflect on the things that other people are doing that maybe you're not doing that are actually impacting the world right and having appreciation for that because i think it's it's really easy to look at some great achievement that somebody has made and say oh yeah great good cool but then it's like well what am i doing and how am I helping advance people? And what influence am I giving that's helping other people? And you don't have to be successful to be able to give somebody advice or to help mentor or to give your time to people who maybe need it. And I think, I think more of that, more helping each other needs to happen in order for us to, to truly advance as a society. Wow, there is nothing cliched about any of that advice. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Brits and the Big Apple. It's been a pleasure talking to you and we are really excited about uh, the Charles and all your future collaborations. Thank you. Amazing. No, thank you so much for the time and the platform. Really appreciate it. You're listening to Brits in the Big Apple, brought to you by the British Consulate in New York. If you'd like to hear more about the work of the British Consulate, please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at UK in New York. Thank you for listening.